When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com and the Radio.com app. For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins in the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah. Yeah. With Ken Laird from the Greg Hill Morning Show. That's evidently what Ken Laird wants you to believe. And WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Calvin. Everything going to be all right? <laughs> Lace him up for some bees talk right now. It's the Skate Pod. Sunday Skate, I'll give it a B, B plus. On WEEI. Holy, this is a big time show. It is a big time show. Oh, we got a cranky Matt Calvin today on the Skate Pod, coming to you on a Thursday. And yeah. We're six, we're, we're about six feet apart, Ken. So don't worry. I know. Back up a little bit. You I, were very. I, upset. I sneezed. Why? Maybe once this morning. I think I sneezed. I think I sneezed once this morning. So. Did you see the flight that turned around because somebody sneezed? No kidding, did they? Nope. I didn't even know sneezes were on the uh, symptom list. I thought it was cough. Probably not. Who knows? You think these people are informed? <laughs> Well, Calvin is very upset that Sophia Yerkstevich, our uh, guest oh, yeah. on the show, had intimate access. Yeah, to the and all the, all the all the rights holders. I guess I guess if you're rich enough to pay for access, you are rich enough to not be sick. So, jeez, I mean that, and this guy Brian Kusher, uh, who who admonished you for not taking listener questions on the podcast, mostly Matt tell, telling everybody how dumb they are and smart he is. Man, that set you off. God, this. Well, what else is night. there? What else is there to talk about? But seriously, we, we've taken tweets from like pretty much every other week. When people have bothered to respond, I mean, how many times? Usually have I, at the back end of the podcast. Yeah. So how, many, how many times have I put a t- tweet out there and not, uh, and no one's bothered to, say, to respond? So, all right, maybe we'll do it at the front end today. We do have special guest EJ Raddick coming up today from NHL Network and NHL Now weekdays four to six on the NHL Network. We'll get to him and talk about uh, some of the uh, possibilities: Pasternak for the heart, uh, Tuca for the Vezina, Cassidy for the Jack Adams playoff matchups, and all of that. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and wherever great podcasts are yes, found. At uh, the Skate Stitcher. Mm-hmm. I do Downcast. And you can also stream the show on uh, EEI.com and give us more clicks. We have uh, two hours of Sunday Skate every Sunday. Check us out on our flagship, 93.7 FM in Boston. So we'll be back on this Sunday from 7 to 9 after a Leafs matchup. So you'll be properly fired up there as well. Usually we get Maria on uh, the Sunday show. She didn't check in this week, but she is first up for the listener questions of the podcast and asks a good one. When should Cassidy start realistically considering load management for the veterans? Not too worried about Tuca, but Bergeron, Marchand, uh, Krejci have played, has played a lot of hockey. Uh, even a couple of the young legs could use a little rest, too. Obviously throws Char in there as well. And Milbury, Mike Milbury was on with Dalen Keefe and mentioned this, too. He cited it as a, a worry. He's nervous about rest and and rust as a coach as a former coach he worries that maybe uh coaches are going to do this too much and the bruins might be a target for it i think i'm i'm looking at that california trip which we know the bruins also were you know bruce cassidy said that they were going to rest guys on the california trip if uh carlo and mccrug hadn't gotten hurt and maybe they'll be back and then other guys can rest but when you're talking uh bergeron and marchand and, and even Pasternak, yeah absolutely rest them on the california trip you know what it's now a two-game trip, I guess. Are they saying the Sharks aren't playing this game, or what's going on? I mean, so, they, they've banned gatherings of 250 or exactly, more people. Exactly. So, but a game might happen at the Garden, right? 
Is there a chance they'd come back and play at matinee? I think the guard is taken that night. Uh, that night, but yeah. they could play it afternoon. I game. guess supposedly. I mean, let's let's say there's no game for yep. argument's sake. You rest a Bergeron, say on the the, the game before that, you get an extra. That's an extra day for everyone. I mean, you, you, you know, I don't know what if Milbury's worried because like a guy's going to sit out a week. You're not going to sit them out a week, and you're definitely going to ramp it up the last week of the season. Last week of the season, you got Carolina two games, and you got St. Louis. Your regular lineup probably plays those three games, assuming they're healthy. But the rest of the way through up there, I mean, look at these guys. They took how many days off last year before the final? And look, what they came out like a house of fire, right? Did they in game one? And so, you they know, did. there's not. Uh, I'm not too worried about Russ with, with most of these guys. You know, I wouldn't rest a Jake DeBrusque unless maybe one game. But I wouldn't let him maybe slack off some of the younger guys. Uh, you know, Charlie McAvoy, too, give him maybe a game, but not too much more. But the, the older guys, they know how to handle it. There, it is amazing the work ethic of this team, and that's one thing that uh, you know uh, Milbury talked about as well. Not only do the Bruins are deep, uh, balanced coaching experience right now; they're healthy, but also the work ethic. Coil diving for that uh, breakup of the two on one. Yeah, yesterday. I mean, the, the, you know, I, we don't like to look back too much, but if that, this is what I wrote that the game pretty much epitomized what this team is about, what yeah. this team's going to do in the playoffs. They were not the better team for nine tenths of that game. The goal we played out of his mind, obviously, even though we're, we're going to ignore that. We only focus on the loss on Saturday. No one wants to talk about the games that he wins because he never wins any big ones. Well, it was head-to-head with Vasilevsky, <laughs> so he got, he got showed up by the so other So he head-to-head with Carter Hart, who at home this year has been like Ken Dryden, right? But uh, when you look at this, the grand scheme of things with this team, I mean, they, they grind it out, right? Marshan's taking dumb really penalties, do. and they, st- they still pull out wins like that. And you've seen that time and again this year. You're at the beginning of the year, they talked about being worried about winning games that they weren't playing their best. But that's what you got to do. you got to win with your B game, and they did it. They did that. They also shuffled some lines, which we'll talk about. But here's one from Matt. Do you think Tuca is up for retirement after his contract? He's heard other Bruins writers say it. Could be really surprising. Uh, now, well, we got the other tweet too that said for Pat Laverty saying, oh, if, you're yeah. Donnie, oh, yeah. "If you're Donnie, you sign him for three years at least, and this way you have four years of, of the number one goalie." And that's that, that's definitely the situation here. Why anyone would think Tuca's retiring at 35 is is beyond me. I guess you know people trying to get listeners to their podcast are going to say whatever they want, but um, I'm pretty sure Tuca's going to keep playing. Well, I mean, let's say they up, want a cup, and and yeah, and that I, might it change. Doesn't, it doesn't work that way. I mean, uh, why wasn't why why doesn't why doesn't everybody retire after they win one cup? <laughs> the guy still wants to be competitive. He still wants to make enough money to be comfortable most of the rest of his life, and he's playing great. So why would he why would he quit? There's no reason. I mean, you know, uh, they're going to keep. They're not going to ask him to play 60 games ever again. It doesn't look doesn't sound like they're ever going to make ask him to play 50 games ever again. The way Bruce Cassidy talks about it. So to be a one A 1A goalie here, even if he takes a, a pay cut, uh, which I don't think is necessarily going to happen, but um, it's I think he, he goes at least three or four more years here on on, on deal here, and, and maybe at some point he ends up mentoring a Vladar or, or Swayman, and you know becomes like that Ryan Miller backup that's been so. You know, not not successful in that night because they stink, but he's obviously mentored Gibson to an extent. And you were buying in on Vladar. Were you were watching the P Bruins game. I was at the P Bruins game, and yeah, that. he was right in front of me, making flashing the pad and making some great saves. They, the they, real deal. You they blew him. they blew a two goal lead in the last two minutes. Oh. None of it was his fault though. They couldn't clear a puck, and he made some amazing saves. He's he's uh, he's flexible. He's active, but he's also he's finding that balance between uh, being sound fundamentally and also you know making a crazy save if he has to. So. It's a good sign. I'm not. I'm not putting him in Boston next year, but he's getting close. Maybe he gets a cup of coffee here. At, at, at least depends how you know what they do with with the backup situation. Well, three years for Tuca would mean four more after this, right? That's that would be pretty perfect. I mean, that would be perfect, and, and I think that's when you start thinking, okay, that will be the end of his, his yeah. career. Then and you build up the platoon for for the other guy, absolutely. Later, yeah. 
Um, line combinations. Um, we had Andre Kasha get a little uh, primetime action last night. Not, not earned time by any of these guys, right? Uh, he, he broke it up because he was fed up, right? As you called it, the non-perfection line or the non-perfect line. Or <laughs> Nobody's, nobody's perfect. perfect. Yeah. Uh, well said. I mean, yeah, I, I just don't see it with Kasha. Now, now Pasternak with Krejci, I like. I mean, I've liked that going yeah. back uh, the last couple of years. But this was just a just a one-game frustration. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know what he's going to do with this. But, I mean, how much of a rope does he give Kasha? I mean, clearly, we've seen Bjork have success in the past with Bergeron and Marshan, so if he keeps mm-hmm. Pasternak with Krejci, you could plug him in there. But right. Kasha seems like a, he's a right wing, and he's and he's only a right wing, so you have to plug him in somewhere. Do you want to – I mean, maybe Coyle could elevate Kasha's game. I don't know. I mean, the way Charlie Coyle plays, it seems like everybody um, he did last plays better. He's made Richie look good. I mean, there's yeah. even there were even times last year where Coyle made Bacchus look good. So it, maybe that's the – you know, it used to be that uh, Chris Kelly, everybody wanted to play with Chris Kelly because they would know he would be fundamentally sound and he would f- find you and he'd protect the puck. Maybe Charlie Coyle is that is that new guy only with with more skill, and you can maybe put Kasha with him. But yeah, Richie too. I mean, he's kind of been in and out, right? I mean, at the best, there hasn't well, been a lot of no. Sustained. The Philly game was not one of his betters. Yeah, and so it's interesting to see what they're going to do with these guys ego wise. With with Donnie Sweeney's ego, he didn't trade for two guys to be in the press box. But well, I just wonder if they're we, behind we the scenes could, are they saying, "Oh, well, yeah, what do we have?" Here? We, we said it could happen, and you know, we're still waiting for this. Studnicka arrival. I mean, that's another thing. You know, Studnicka and Frederick, watch them both too on Sunday up close. They look great. I the mean, Athletic they, wrote stories about both, so I'm assuming they're uh, you know they're they've been fed the news. <laughs> well, they read they heard listened to our podcast and they said, oh, that's true. a good story idea. We, we were on it last week, and um, you know, obviously Frederick would might be great with Coyle. I would say, and you know, if you wanted to, to bring up Studnicka to, to play the wing with with Krejci, that, I'm could, ready. that could happen too. I mean, Let's they, do they it. Might have to do that. You know, set of the Buffalo. There's. Uh, there's a lot of options here, and you just got to swallow your pride, I guess, if you're Don Sweeney and say, well, Richie and Kasha, they might t- contribute at some point. And remember, we still can't count Kasha out. We were counting Johansson out. No, no, but... I'm, I'm, I'm almost there. <laughs> All right, I'll give him another week. I, I think I think I'm going to give them more time just because they have this division pretty much wrapped up. The schedule is pretty easy. Give them a run. See if they could. Let's face it, if Kasha goes to the West Coast against three or at least two uh, you know, teams that are playing out the string and doesn't exploit that. Right. Then you're you got to pop the bubble there. We also had the uh, Cliffy hockey debut. What would you think of more in Cliffy? Oh yeah, I heard the, I heard the, the deep. I heard the Calliope, the Calliope circus music every time that pair was on the line. <laughs> they didn't play much. Oh my god! Chara played 25 minutes and yeah. uh, or almost. Uh, that's Ooh. not good. I mean, you know, I know you're you're boasting because Matt Grizzlick scored a goal and he should never be rotated out of the lineup. Fine, but and Lazan's been well, great. He played great. Lazan's uh, been great. Bruins. But stats? if you had a Brendan Dillon, you'd be able to. Spot him in here and there, and maybe Lazon wouldn't be playing as much, or maybe Lazon and Dylan would be, would be interchangeable. Right now, uh, maybe you want to look at Saboro or, or Cam for someone at this point. I mean, I don't know what the, what they could do cap wise right now. I think Moore w- is fine if he gets up to speed. He's he's a little rusty. I, I mean, and hell, Clifton played a lot last year too, so it's not like he doesn't have some some time. Yeah, I mean, he had uh, some time, but, but uh, both together is not good. Like I said, again, the cushion the cushion makes this less of a, of a panic time. But if the, if Carlo, if either of his injuries lingered into the playoffs, would you feel good about either one of those guys right now? I'm not no, so no. sure. And what is the latest on Carlo? I mean, he's he's yeah, I mean, close or they're saying upper body. You know, do you buy it? I don't know. He looked pretty well, we dazed. Know what it is. So um, it could be any time. But at least he's he, he. I guess he skated on yeah the other day. So you know they were away. I'm sure him and Krug, unless there's a turn, will travel to California next week at least, right? Yeah. All right, so that's the uh, Bruins in a nutshell. And, I mean, as we, we said last week, it's over. Uh, eight points now. Yeah. 
the lead over Tampa, and you're getting ready. And we asked EJ Raddick about playoff matchups. I asked him because you, uh, you couldn't make it for the interview. So I was I, given I, like 15 minutes control. notice to get <clears throat> yeah. a half hour. So, <laughs> so you can hear a lot of Ken Laird here. But uh, we talked, to, and I want you to get your thoughts on this on the other side. It's the last question in the interview, but we discussed the possible first-round matchup, which could be really six teams. The Leafs could theoretically fall to a wild card. I didn't include them. But the other teams are Carolina, Columbus, the Islanders, the Rangers, and the Florida Panthers. So of those, uh, well, actually, let's talk about this here before we get to EJ, because you'll be surprised at his answer. Who's the team you want to avoid the most, you fear the most of that bunch if you're Boston for a round one matchup? I would say Carolina. Uh, and that's the obvious answer, I guess. Yeah, I guess if Carolina's healthy, yeah, that for sure. I mean, if they got both both the goalies going, and uh, although Pesci's out, so th- yeah, no no Pesci and no Hamilton. I mean, clearly they they filled in with Vatanen, and they still don't scare me, except maybe for the fact that they have the experience of playing against the Bruins last year. But as do you really the Jackets. I mean, it, this is what it's supposed to be. It'd be eerie to have Columbus, the eight one again, President's Trophy team played you last year. Yeah, right. here, here it goes totally again. Different team. I mean. You know, their best play- as good as good as they played it, their best players are still out. I mean, Atkinson's out, Bjorkstrand's out. It, it's not rookie goalie. That's I why Torts is going to win Coach of the Year. I, I really, I'm, I'm starting to think that's that's actually a no brainer. Yeah, I mean, especially if they make it. I mean, you know, a lot of times it just gets based on who makes it. But yeah. clearly, clearly, he's probably the one or two front runner there. But I, I think this is the the thing. You know, you're you play all year to get the top seed, so that you don't have to really worry about any of these guys. And let's face it, they are all pretty mediocre in, in the grand scheme. I mean. I guess maybe the Islanders a little bit, just because if if they played better, they're so they're a heavy team and they might give the Bruins a harder time. Although if, you and Pete didn't really, the Pajot trade didn't blow you guys away. Well, I, I liked it as a I thought it was a decent move. They just needed to do more, I thought. But you know they still have some veteran guys. You know w- between Barzal and and Nelson and Bailey, these guys those are guys with a lot of experience. They can get hot. And like I said, the heaviness of that fourth line and. Some of their their decor. I mean, that, that's a team that might just give you a harder time, especially. And they have two goalies that could be kind of lights out goalies, even if they haven't been this year. I mean, Varlamov we know can carry a team if he has to, but be a lot of jokes about an empty Nassau Coliseum in the playoffs <laughs> not being a change from any other year if coronavirus hits. So I suppose uh, you could get into that. Okay, well, EJ Raddick and I discussed Hart Trophy, Vezina, Jack Adams, and playoff matchups. Here was that conversation. Well, you know EJ Raddick's name, NHL Network's finest. He's a senior writer, and of course, you can find him. Uh, on NHL Network in the afternoons as well. EJ, we uh, have, I'm sure, some ominous things we could talk about, but just to spin it uh, happy before we start talking empty arenas and coronavirus and all that stuff, uh, can we talk a little awards and Bruins candidates up for awards? Does David Posternock have a chance in hell at the Hart Trophy? Well, I think he's got a chance. I mean, he's had a terrific season this year. Um, I think there's some really strong candidates out there, but you know, the Boston Ruins are right at the top of the league in terms of uh, their performance this year, particularly points-wise, for sure, and, and the way they've played. And he's been a huge part of that. Um, you know, I think there'll be the, uh, you know, the Leon Dreisaitl, uh, Connor McDavid crowd. There'll be the Nathan McKinnon crowd. Uh, there, you know, there's one guy that, for me, if the team were to make the playoffs, I think he deserve, would deserve a lot of consideration is uh, Artemi Panarin. I think he's had a... Uh, He's been, to me, the single biggest difference maker uh, amongst players this year. I mean, when he's on the ice for the Rangers, the numbers have been dramatic in terms of how much better they are when he's on the ice as opposed to when he's not. But uh, I think David Poshnok is an excellent candidate. And, boy, he's a fun player to watch. He's a great personality. He's great for this game. 
And, uh, you know, if he were to be standing there in Las Vegas with the Hart Trophy in his hand, I'd be thrilled for him just because he's just one of those guys that you just naturally, you just naturally like and you naturally root for. You, know, you bring up the Rangers, and I've heard others suggest David Quinn for, for similar reasons for Jack Adams' uh, you know, award as far as unexpected goes. I, I would think Bruce Cassidy would, was, is an obvious candidate, but then again, uh, sometimes it goes to the, to the most improved or better than expected uh, team as opposed to the front runner. Yeah, it's kind of an expectations game with Coach of the Year, right? I mean, I think you nailed it. It's just that, uh, you know, it's like John Torrella is, is someone that I think is going to get a lot of consideration if the Blue Jackets make the playoffs just because of all the injuries they've had this year and they've kind of kept battling through. And uh, you mentioned David Quinn, and if the Rangers were to make it, you know, that would be a name that would be certainly surface. But to me, it certainly doesn't uh, under – cut what uh you know someone like Bruce Cassidy has done this year and I think this is a really difficult thing to go to a Stanley Cup final game seven uh and come up just a bit short and then the next year come back and have the kind of season the Bruins are having that is not easy you can look at the history of this game teams that go to the final and it doesn't happen for them in the final the next year is is can be a very tough year for them and uh I got to give Bruce a lot of credit. He's had, you know, he hasn't had the number of injuries, let's say, that some of the other teams have had, but he has had guys out and important players at different parts of the year, and the Bruins just keep finding ways to win, which I think is a real uh, testimony to the culture they've built there over many years with leaders like Char and Bergeron uh, and right on down the line. So uh, I think Bruce has done a great job. I was really impressed getting to meet him and talk with him and getting to know him a little better last year during the playoff run and. Uh, you know, he has turned into a heck of a coach. I would say the same, EJ, for the Blues, too. I did not expect him to be back in atop the West this year. Some, I guess, felt it was a little bit of a fluky cup final last year. I guess this is evidence that it, it certainly was not. Yeah, I, you know, I agree with that for sure. I mean, I, you know, I feel like the St. Louis Blues, coming into last season, you know, we dialed all the way back to last, uh, you know, September, um, or two Septembers ago now. But, uh, you know, I liked their team a lot. But the thing I didn't like was the goaltender. And uh, I was just – I felt like Jake Allen had a number of opportunities to, to take that team, and, and, and it was a good team that defended well, that had, you know, good strength throughout the group. And yet they couldn't ever get there because they just couldn't rely on consistent goaltending. And once Jordan Bennington arrived on the scene and they had made a coaching change and Craig Brube is such a kind of a authentic character, kind of straightforward guy – all of a sudden, uh, you know, all the good things that the St. Louis Blues did, they were rewarded for because the goaltending was consistently good. And, you know, I think you go to game seven of the cup final. I mean, really, the Blues only win that game because Jordan Bennington was lights out good in the first uh, in the first period. I mean, the Bruins could have easily been leading 4 nothing. You know, the, the, sometimes it's just a little bit of a piece to the puzzle. And, and when you're missing goaltending, that can be a big piece. But, uh, you know, I always felt the Blues had a good team, and it was just a matter of, you know, finding those little extra extra things that you needed. And they were able to do that last year. And so I guess from that standpoint, I'm not surprised necessarily that they're playing well this year. I guess you, were, you wonder about someone like Bennington who had not, you know, had the one good year. We've seen guys have, you know, one really good year when he regressed. But that hasn't been the case, and the Blues are right in the mix again. Speaking of goalies, EJ, to wrap up the uh, the awards, the Vezina Trophy, uh, what about Tuca? And it seems to be Vasilevsky and Hellebuck his main contenders, right? Yeah, I think those. Uh, I think you nailed it. Those are the three guys that come to mind for me right away. I think you could have made a real good case for Darcy Kemper had he not been hurt uh, up till uh, you know the end of uh, the calendar year, right into 
you know, late December, early January, he was he had great numbers and was having a great year. And then unfortunately, he got hurt and he missed a bunch of times, so it took him out of the mix. But uh, I think those three guys have been great. And you know, again, a little bit of the expectations game when you really go through Hellebuck's numbers there. I mean, that defense this year was uh, completely uh, you know overhauled and not in a good way because they lost Jacob Trouba who was looking to move, they traded him. Dustin Bufflin disappeared, didn't play all year. Uh, they lost some other key pieces to that uh, defense. Sherratt uh, leaves as a free agent. Myers leaves as a free agent. They give up a lot of chances, and yet, uh, you know, here they are hanging around for a playoff spot because Connor Hellebuck has had, a, has had an excellent year. So he's a strong candidate. Tuca's been great. He was terrific again in the win over Philadelphia on Tuesday night, uh, and Vasilevsky has been excellent as well. So it's been good candidate, but would be too good, you know, would, would have maybe a little bit of an edge for me, but you know, you'd have to really sit down and break down those numbers. And I think it's going to be tight. Well, do you believe in a president's trophy jinx? It appears the Bruins are headed that way. Well, I mean, we've seen it. I would just say this, the regular season and the playoffs are two different animals and the, the playoffs are very, very difficult to get through. I mean, the four rounds, uh, 16 victories. I've always said the playoffs are about matchups and injuries. You know, do you, can you find a path of least resistance where you can find the good matchups for your team? And can you stay healthy? Because, you know, if you get, if you have bad matchups and or you suffer injuries, I mean, it's a really tough go. The regular season, you're, you know, teams that have talented players and, and really good cultures, you know, it's night to night. You're not teams aren't drilling down on you like they drill down in the seven game series to try to take advantage of every weakness. And if you have a good strong team with a good culture, you know, you can find ways to win night tonight in the NHL in the regular season. But when you get in the playoffs, you have those matchups and you have teams looking for every advantage and everybody's going through the tape and it can be tough. So, you know, whether or not you know, I say I believe in a jinx or this or, you know, I d I don't necessarily believe in jinxes. I just believe that it's too different standards are two different challenges and some teams are built to do well in the regular season and other teams are are built for the grind of the postseason and uh so you know a team like the bruins this year they may win the president's trophy they're right there i think they showed you last year they also have what it takes to go through and get right to the end of the stanley cup playoffs so uh you know i think that'll be the challenge for the tampa bay lightning this year had the great regular season last year you can see what they've been doing They've been adding kind of like some rough edges to their team, you know, a Patrick Maroon or, a, you know, they added Blake Coleman from the Devils, Barclay Goodrow from the Sharks. I mean, they're looking to add a little bit more sandpaper to their group just to, to kind of make them a harder team to play against in the postseason. So um, we'll see how it plays out. I think it's hard to do to win the President's Trophy and, and to win the Cup, but uh, teams have done it. So we'll see how it plays out this year. Well, last one for you then. Speaking of the matchups, assuming it's one of these five teams for the Bruins in round one, Carolina, Columbus, the Islanders, the Rangers, or the Florida Panthers, best and worst matchup for Boston among that group? Well, I think the Florida Panthers can be a troublesome matchup because uh, they have the they have the, the players on their roster to, to be good and to be better than they've been. And I think that's, a, you know, what's happened there is it's about building a culture there and, and figuring you know, figuring things out in that regard, right? So I think if they get in, they could be on a high, and, you know, it depends on 
you know, is Bobrovsky back and playing well? Uh, Dreger has been impressive to me when he's been yeah. in there. I'm big on playing the guys who can who give you the best chance to win, and uh, I'll be curious to see how that continues to play out. Um, you know, the Islanders, it's interesting. Barry Trotz, they play that, you know, very, uh, you know, defense-first kind of style, but the Bruins have had, you know, if my memory serves me correctly, the Bruins have had a lot of success against the Islanders over the last several years, so... You know, that could be a favorable matchup. They just played Carolina last year, um, yeah, you know, Columbus, and they had success yeah. against Carol- Carolina. Columbus, they played last year. Now, Columbus is a different animal this year. Um, but, you know, Seth Jones, if he's back in the lineup, if they were to make it and they get Seth Jones back and some of their pieces back, they have good goaltending. And, you know, they're well coached. So, you know, they can – Problem, they could be problematic in a, in a seven-game series. But, you know, I don't know if there's any – you know, I've been around this too long, and I have seen matchups where I thought, oh, that's no problem, and teams lose. Right. And other matchups where I say, you know, oh, that's going to be tough, and then you see it gets a, it's a sweep. So, so many things play into it. I think the Bruins will have challenges no matter who they play because this is a tight league, but this is a real good Boston Bruins team, and if they execute and, and uh, follow the plan – that they lay out, uh, that Bruce Cassidy and company lay out, I think they'll have every chance to be successful just because they're really good. And when the games get tough and tight, they find ways to win. You can watch EJ Raddick on NHL Now on the NHL Network weekdays from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern. EJ, thanks so much. Hope we have a lot of good hockey left. All right. Well, I'm sure we will. Thanks a lot. There you go, the conversation with EJ Raddick. I, I don't even, sometimes I see the Hart Trophy nominees and Pasternak's not even included. I mean, I think Dreisaitl's going to run away with it, to be honest. He probably will run away with it, but I mean, obviously Pasternak and Marchand should be both there. I mean, Marchand, especially um, two-way player, you know, maybe the best penalty killer in the league next to his teammate Bergeron. I mean, the guy's a premier playmaker and, you know, it was pretty much an engine that, that makes that line go, so... Don't discount Marshan. Do they work if, against each other? But then I guess you could say the same with Dreisaitl and McDavid, even though they're not yeah, on the I mean, same people, line. People are kind of like overlooking McDavid now all of a sudden, which is kind right. of weird to think that the guy who really gets is. all the credit is getting that, that number. And they all, it's most valuable player. Right. Uh, in fact, we had a caller on Sunday Skate that uh, said Marshan's their best player. Yeah. I mean, so, which is tough to argue. I mean, right. all that's just it. I mean, most valuable. I mean... When you're on a, you know, people say, "Oh, don't victimize a guy for being on a bad team," but don't victimize a guy for being on a good team too, right? Right. People trying to say Drysaddle has McDavid and Marchand has Pasternak and Bergeron. Well, that's the way it goes. You can't. But he's just... so far ahead, though. He's like 15 points up on yeah. on the next closest guy. Oh, he's guy. been he's been amazing for sure. And you know, McDavid's missed a few games. Right, he was out for a few yeah. weeks, so he's certainly been the steadiest the steadiest player, and 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 the big reason why that team has turned it around this year. Totally. Took me by surprise. I didn't have them making the playoffs this year, and they've been challenging for the division all season. Now, Columbus, I mean, McKinnon has a lot of points. And, Colorado. Uh, yeah, what did I say? Columbus. Columbus, yeah. Colorado, uh, 80. Uh, well, second yeah, place, McKinnon's two gonna always going to be there, too, because yeah. especially with Rantanen um, being out as often as he's been this year. You know, that's a guy who, again, he's benefiting from that idea. Oh, these guys, they haven't had this guy, so this guy's playing great. He's always going to be in the mix. Panarin, yeah. obviously, has, has been in the mix most of the year. And, uh, and Bobrovsky. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did you think about uh, Florida being the team to fear from from EJ Raddick? Yeah, I guess you know if his if theory you, being that if they get hot, you know, the, at that point they'll be on a. They, they certainly have enough talent. I mean, you wouldn't be worried about their defense core, but you might be worried about them being a running, being able to run and gun you a little bit. I guess with uh, mm-hmm. you know Huberdeau's been had a breakthrough year. I think he's become a more complete player this year. And Barkov's dangerous for sure. Certainly a team that has nothing to lose. 
as far as you know, if they get to the the playoffs, it'll be you know when Columbus won the ser- won, won one series last year, they were kind of like you know living high on the hog. If the Panthers just make it, they're going to be happy. But. It would it is weird just going for hockey in South Florida that time of year. Just oh, like sure. oh man, oh yeah, and so many things can happen. You know, I just think it, maybe maybe EJ's right about that. Now he likes uh, the Rangers guys, you know Panarin and David Quinn. How about Jack Adams? Push comes to shove. Does Tortorella beat Cassidy out for Jack Adams? Or does it really depend on who makes the playoffs here? I guess I it does. I don't know if Cassidy even makes the final three. What? Because they tend Nobody to— Nobody expected the Bruins to be first overall yeah. after the long Well, he definitely—I'm not saying he shouldn't be. I just think that the, the, the voters for that typically just look for the teams that were really came out of nowhere. So you're talking a Columbus. Colorado, uh, I guess. You're talking the Rangers. Well, Colorado was there last year. Um, Dave Tippett. Edmonton, right? It's been a it's yep. been an interesting turnaround there, yep, for sure. And uh, and, and Lane Vino. Yeah, I don't think I even had the Flyers in the playoffs in my predictions, and they're their challenger for the division. So, if you figure that maybe just two of those guys get into it, obviously, obviously of the legitimate elite teams in this league, the the one that should be part of that final three would be Cassidy. Um, but you could you could make the case for Peruby too. So yeah. they've had a pretty uh, a steady year there, and you know it's to to think that the two teams that played in the final have had such great years with hardly a blip. I mean, they've both had dry spells during the season, like any team would. But for mm-hmm. the most part, they've been pretty dominant. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think clearly Cassidy gets in the conversation as far as best coaches in the league. But when you talk about coach of the year, they're always they're always going to reward someone for exceeding expectations, which Cassidy has done. But it's 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 smaller to go from the second place team in the conference to the first than it is to go Edmonton or Philly from where they were to where they are now, right? All right. So uh, anything else to get off your chest? I mean, you're very upset coming in here about this uh, this guy. Yeah, Twitter, I just, I just is... can't wait to see what the stands are going to look like with people sitting six feet apart. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to having six feet of extra space in the press box, considering I don't even get six centimeters with the guy I sit next to, you know, eating his fast food and pretending to, to w- w- look at looking at Twitter the whole game instead of watching the game and moving over too far. You know, I'll give him credit. At least he wears decent cologne. But. He gets a little too close. Will Will there be fans there for Leafs Bruins Saturday night? God, we might find. Yeah, they're that not going to cancel by Saturday. No, I don't think the Bruins are ever going to cancel. You think they're giving up that gate? But if the NBA, and maybe this will happen before we go to air, it like says no, it makes an announcement, the NHL will follow. I don't know if they will. I think it'll be a team by team basis. I don't know who's going to follow. I mean, we'll see. Scary times, but you've got Matt Kalman here to soothe your fears, bring you through it, and don't forget two big hours again on Sunday morning. No clock forward, no happy birthday uh, this week, so you'll be there bright and, uh, and chipper. No excuses. See you Sunday at 7.